Chinwag, episode seven. Today we have a guest here. We were talking about yes, not yesterday, Wednesday when we released that. Yes. Uh, we have Drew Holmes here. How you doing, Drew? What up? Uh, we've. When did we meet? Do you remember? We uh, met in the car scene. Yes. October Underground. October Underground. How long ago was that? That was 2017. Damn. All yeah. Right. I'm pretty sure that was the first time we met. No, it was before that, actually. No, yeah. We knew each other before that. I don't know. It had to have been at a car meet or something like that. Yeah. So, met through the car scene. Mm-hmm. Got to know each other really well. Uh, Drew has led an interesting life from everything that I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> to so, say at least. we figured uh, bring him on. He could chat about it a little bit and... Uh, Maybe inspire some of you. Where do I start? I don't know. Uh, in the beginning. Start from the beginning. Were you born and raised here in Utah? Uh, yeah, so I was actually born in Huntsville. So up by Pineview Dam. Grew up in Clearfield, Hooper area. Uh, right out of high school, moved to La Barge, Wyoming, which was a town of like 400 people. La Barge? Yeah. Me and my grandfather ran like 750 head of cattle on like 3,500 acres. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. But he worked my guts out. Do you know what I mean? So that's kind of where I got the work ethic from. That's good. And then missed my friends, came home, instantly moved to Mammoth Lakes, California. Lived there for about eight months. So who's, who's moving you around? You said you're out there with your grandpa? I was, yeah. So I got into some trouble. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. So back up. Cal so I've always been a knucklehead. Uh, when I was 17, I was on probation for a little bit and then just tested positive for marijuana. Okay. Was and, the probation for the marijuana? Yeah. Okay. So uh, my grandpa came to my court date and uh, the judge was going to put me on house arrest. And my grandpa's like, he actually stood up in the middle of the courtroom and said, I have a better idea. Just said that straight up to the judge. Oh, no. And That's the judge never is, a good idea. Yeah, exactly. And uh, my uh, grandpa stood up in the, in the middle of the courtroom and told the judge, I'll put him on ranch arrest. And immediately I was like, oh, my God, he's going to work my freaking guts <laughs> out. I'll take the alternative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So that's why I went up to the ranch. Um, he made me document everything that I did, checked irrigation routes, pushed cattle up to Gen- through Gentilani, which is like a really gnarly mountain range in La Barge, right, right out of Wind River Canyon. Yeah. All this stuff. And I was there for uh, eight months, uh, actually more like a year, uh, made me document everything. And then I came back home and we had the court date to like for a review. And I took the thing up to my up to the judge, like my diary of what I did. And the judge looked to my grandpa and he's like, hey, do you got any more room up there that I could send more <laughs> kids up? So <clears throat> the judge is like, this is more harsh than what we were going to sentence. Yeah, exactly. And he could tell that there was like some change and stuff. And then I came home and then I got a job with Wadman Corporation and they were training to me, training me to be a superintendent. So they shipped me out to a project in Mammoth Lakes, California. I was only there okay. for like six to eight months. Were you there for work? Yeah. Okay. Was this you lived here with your parents, or you just? Yeah. yeah. I was out of the house by seventeen. And they were like, "Yep, go to grandpa's." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was gnarly. Like sometimes we didn't eat all day. Like it was riding horses, and I'm allergic, and I have asthma. <laughs> like oh, it was man. a deathly situation, that's for sure. Just not gasping for air the whole time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much the whole time so went out to mammoth lakes then i came home 
Um, and soon after that, my girlfriend got pregnant and so how long, how long were you with this, this girl? Um, were you, were you with her like through high school or before you went to out of high school ranch arrest after, after, after that, actually right after that, we got together. Cause I remember, was was this before mammoth lakes? Like where's this timeline? So this is after, so I got home from mammoth and then that's like within like a year we, I, Got her pregnant and my daughter was on her way. How so old were you? 20. I was 19 when she got pregnant. 19. 20 when she had her. And that's kind of when I got into sales. Okay. Yeah. How many, uh, you've, you've been in a, a lot of sales positions from when I've known you. Yeah. So what got you into sales? It was a fluke. So I got laid off from new core steel out in Plymouth and went to the Smith's warehouse and then got fired because I was still a knucklehead showing up late and everything <laughs> like that. Um, so I went a couple months without a job and then I was just riding in the car with my, one of my buddies, Jed. And uh, he's like, I could probably get you a job working for my, I think it was his cousin or something like that. Or no, it was my buddy Chase. And I, he's like, I can probably get you a job working for my cousin. And I was like, I mean, I guess if that's what it takes and I fell in love with it, I wasn't good at it yet. I, with with I, sales. Cause sales is a, that's a tough, that's a tough gig. Not a lot of people like sales. Not, yeah. a, not a lot of people are cut out for sales. Right. I mean, I ate shit for a year and a half. I probably didn't make any more than like $2,000 a month for a year and a half, <laughs> but you still liked it. I did like it. Um, and then I started, I actually left, I started at low book sales actually. And then I left there, went to Ken Garf Honda and that's where I was like, okay, I might be able to do this left there, went to Ken Garf Hyundai and that's where I was like, okay, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. So I just, I've been in sales since that was 2009. So the being a salesperson at a, at a car lot, is that what got you into cars or were you into cars before that? That is what got me into cars. I mean, I've always been a car, not like the fast and furious. The Supra was always sure, like my sure. dream car and stuff like that. Maybe why I like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm like, this guy, like got, me for the car. This guy has a Supra. That's actually, that is what it is. I, I, I met you cause of your car and because it's like, it was the most, it was the car, the car was dope. So, yeah. um, as I was in the car business a little bit longer, uh, so you're saying our friendship is based off of material goods. No, it started there <laughs> it Started there until I got to know the soft Jared. <laughs> and then, uh, 2000 actually right after I got into sales that same year or no two years later I got into a fight at a party and ended up being what is it called uh what's it called when they what assault battery yeah well it was aggravated assault but they they hadn't charged me yet but it was on record that I was getting like I was going to court for it. Oh, okay. So I wasn't convicted yet, but um, they had charged me with an aggravated assault charge, and I fought that for a year, and I just I couldn't. I, I was too couldn't young. Fight it anymore? This is at a party, you said. Yeah. What happened? Whose fault was it? Uh, without going into too much detail, uh, <laughs> not to not going to incriminate myself again. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it was just a it was a bad situation. Um, alcohol was involved and everything like that. And then the fight just went a little bit further than it actually should have been. Right. The guy was medically discharged from the military. So it was a lot more serious than a normal fight was. Cause I mean, if you take out, if you get somebody removed from the military, it's super frowned upon, you know what I mean? 
Oh, so after the fight, he was medically discharged. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, because he had it. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. So, yeah, I, I ended up taking a deal because I was young, man. I was like, I was 21 years old <sighs> and looking at a looking up to 15 years in prison. Right. Over one fight. Over a fight. Yeah. Jeez. Just honestly because of alcohol. I mean, it, it, anytime I've ever blacked out or got that angry, it always had to do with alcohol. That was here in Utah where this... Ogden, of course. Of course. Yeah. A little stricter here, maybe? Uh, No, it was just... That kind of shit always happens in Ogden. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then they, they kind of gave me a, a lax sentence. It was... They gave me 45 days work release. I actually spent the whole entire day out and I just slept at the jail and didn't teach me anything. I wish I would have went to prison right off the bat, but they, they gave me some good time. I was sentenced to 60 days. I actually did 45 days, got out, was put on probation. I made it like 26 months on probation out of the three years and started doing the same stuff that I was doing before Uh, drinking, going to the club, going to the bars, ended up getting another assault charge and then a DUI. And mm. that was on felony probation for an aggravated oh, assault right, charge. Right. So then it's now it's prison time. Double yeah. whammy. The judge was like, you're not getting it kid. I'm like, I agree. Yeah. I that's hard you. because you're so young. Yeah. It's, it's hard to really understand what you're getting into. Yeah. I was only 23. I mean, that's time to go out and drink and party. Yeah. Minus the fighting part. Right. And I wasn't doing, <laughs> I wasn't doing anything create like outside of what my friends were doing, but I'm just a terrible criminal and I get caught for all caught. of it. Yeah. I get <laughs> caught every you time. Know, leave the, leave, leave the area. The <laughs> Seriously. Well, yeah, it was, so it was, it was pretty bad, but that's kind of where, I mean, I feel like I went to, everything was meant to be the way that it was. Cause I, I went to prison at 24, which I feel like is where your mind starts to like kind of develop and right. do you know what I mean? Right. So so on the second assault charge, nothing happened with the other person either? No, I actually got that charge dropped. Oh, good. That's yeah. Good. But you still had to serve time because of it. Yeah, serve time and then the DUI. Um, the judge was like, yeah, he just... And there the was, DUI. What there was this? 18 other violations that were, sm- <laughs> 18. were small. They were small violations, but I ended up pleading guilty to five of them. Um, yeah, and then that's when my prison sentence pretty much started. So what, what was the sentence? So it's different in Utah. So the judge said, I'm going to sentence you to zero to five years in prison. Cause when I originally took the plea bargain, it went from a one fifteen to a zero to five. Okay. So he said, I'm going to sentence you to zero to five years of the Utah state prison. And I went back to Weber County jail and it was like 18 days to 30 days later. I can't remember somewhere in between there, um, that I didn't actually get, I, I didn't go to prison until like 18 days after. Yeah. And it's different because you have to actually see the board of pardons. So I was in I was in prison for eight months before I knew how much how long I was actually going to do. Well, who Crazy. determines when they say zero to five? Who determines? Oh, we decide we're just going to keep you in here a month versus five years. Like- so it goes off of a matrix. Um, the matrix is a point system um, based off of violence and stuff like that. And my points were hovering right around 30 is that from all of the violations and everything you've uh done? mostly just because of the violence of the offense did it okay. did it uh so your original probation from high school the marijuana charge does that it take account or does that get dropped after 18 no i was 17 so that didn't really come up okay but uh 
so yeah, it runs off of a point system, which is 30 points. So when I first went in, I was maximum security. I was 23 hours a day locked down. I was Jeez. only got out an hour a day. It was pretty gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. My celly, my celly was like 550 pounds. They tried to put him on the top bunk. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not going to happen. This bump, the uh, buckles, you're dead. When, yes, you, uh, when you were going into prison, what was it like as far as, were you scared? Did you go in with a tough guy, bad attitude or? No. I mean, honestly, I had, I had somebody at the Weber County jail that had done a lot of time, federal time, state time that he asked me, he's like, have you ever been before? And I was like, dude, I'm like 23 years old. I've right. never really been ready in... for this cock meat sandwich. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so did he step in and be a mentor for you? Uh, he just kind of showed me the ropes. He's like, you're going to have to figure out some way to hustle, make some money. That way you're kind of living. Okay. You're not starving or anything like that. So I learned how to draw. He taught me how to do portraits, calligraphy, all sorts of stuff. If Legit money, not like doing stupid shit yeah like tattoos so, or anything so like with the portraits like how do you make money off of the portraits there so people would actually ask me to do a portrait of somebody in their family and they would pay me in commissary oh that's awesome and yeah it was pretty crazy so they so give you a picture just a picture yeah and i would just draw a portrait and it's like i could probably make a lot of money still to this day doing them but it's just takes mm. way too much time and it's I mean, were you, is it something that you're really passionate about or that's just something you had to do to survive? Uh, I became passionate about it, but now it's just, I mean, I, I had all day every day. So it would take me like two weeks to right. do a portrait, but that's like Spending any a chance lot of I time. could. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So now it's just not cost, cost effective. No, yeah. not at all. It would take me about a week or two, actually probably a month to do it. And I could make like maybe 500 bucks. Ooh. That's, eh. Yeah. That's a lot of time. Yeah, it is. Will you draw me? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like the Moving Titanic on. pose. Yeah, right there you out. go. With you behind him, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta rest my balls on his forehead. Oh, oh that's awesome. Crazy. So, yeah. so then, so what was it? What was it like there? Like, to describe your daily. You ever scared? Daily routine, or, or yeah, was there fear involved? Was there? I mean, where did you, where did you end up spending the prison time? So I entered it in Draper. Oh, Draper. That's okay. where I went. Okay. So it is pretty gnarly, man. You get off the bus with like 10 to 12 other people. You're dressed in an orange suit, set, shackled. You're walking through the big gates and shit like that. And it's, it is a very, 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 very surreal experience. And they, they book you into what's called the library, which has nothing to do with the library. That's just what they call <laughs> it. They keep and they strip search you. And then they, they, after they do everything, they, they put you in this like, holding tank with all the other inmates and I think I was there for like five hours before they actually found me a bed and <clears throat> the first place you entered it's called UNA5 which is actually the old death row that was up on the Capitol Hill mm -hmm. they moved the entire facility when like way back in the day and that's still where like death row is so I'm walking into this place that I know like these killers are at, right right, right. And I walk in, I, they, they put me in my cell and I will never forget the sound of the bars that closed behind me. And it was just like a movie. It was like ching, 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 I was going to ask if it's just like the movie. hundred percent. Wow. It's exactly like that. So as soon as the bars closed behind me, the one single thought that I had is my mom can't get me out of this. She can't bail me out. Like I'm, yeah. I'm fucked. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Can I we, swear on here? We, oh yeah. Okay. yeah. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we grow up with that mentality of, oh, you know, my parents are going to show up to pick me up, to bail me out, but mm -hmm. not anymore. You're an adult now. You're in a place that they can't touch you. Yeah, 
Exactly. That's scary. Is there the uh, fear of like, mm, maybe I don't want my mom to bail me out because uh, where I'm at, she might kick my ass worse than this? No. No? <laughs> no, she she was more afraid than I was. Like, uh-huh. I mean, having your 23-year-old son, I mean, I get it, I'm an adult, but you're helpless as a parent. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you don't yeah. know what's going on because for the first like for the first ninety days, you don't get a phone call, you don't get anything. Nothing. Like that. Ninety so just, days yeah. sitting by idly waiting to hear from you. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And I've and I've met your mom too. She's the sweetest woman in the world. She is. I can only imagine her going through that with her. Are you an only child, or do you have siblings? No. So on my mom's side, it's it's me and my brother. Okay. Um. And then my dad's side, I have another brother and sister. Older or younger brother? They're all younger. They're all younger. Yeah. They learn from your mistakes? I fucking hope so. <laughs> uh, my little brother on my mom's side, he went through a little bit of a struggle with addiction to alcohol and stuff like that, but he's actually been sober for like three or four years now. Oh, good. Yeah. Good for him. So I think he saw and like where I went and knew that he was pretty much going down the same path. Right. Checking. So he tested he tested the waters, but he's like, you know what? I don't want to end up in that place. Yeah, because so. he is not cut out for prison. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. It's too pretty. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. So it was pretty crazy. And, and then soon after I had that thought that my mom can't save me, it's like, okay, and I immediately, you're immediately forced to start thinking about like, okay, what did I do? Like, how did I get here? Where, like, start reevaluating every decision, decision that you've made. Yeah. How did I get to this point? Like, I must have been out of control. Do you know what I mean? For to end up in prison, you're completely out of control. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, that's what you, that's what you watch growing up, like on TV, you're like, Oh, that's where the worst of the worst people go. It's true. And now you find yourself sitting in that same situation. It's true. And I didn't believe it. It gives me the chills. I didn't, I actually did not believe I was there. Like it was, I thought it was a dream for the first little bit. And then once I started to really think about it, I'm like, okay, so I have this time that I'm going to be here for, I mean, my matrix because of how high my score was being around 30 points you're looking to get almost the maximum of the five years. Mm. Um, so I'm like, fuck, I'd, I could potentially be here for five years. So right. what could I do with this time? And then I started to think about it. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to have all this time with no distractions, no TV, no phone, no social media, no women, no outside influence in my life. So I have the, I actually have an opportunity here to, that most people don't get. Yeah. to sit down and focus on yourself right, for right. that amount of time and just get real. Do you know what I mean? So I sat down and wrote a letter to my daughter's mom, um, apologizing that about everything that I did, I realized I was being irresponsible and everything. And I, I made her a promise that I was going to come out twice the guy that I went in as, you know what I mean? And from that day on, it was, it was game over, you know? So after, after this, when you, the second charge that got you the prison time, was it, did it happen really quick or did it, did they give you time to kind of let everybody know, Hey, this is what's happening? No, no. Mm-mm. So you were arrested, you were booked, mm-hmm. you didn't like, so were you able to tell anybody or was this? No. Wow. Like, so, true? Yeah, exactly. So you just kind of disappeared. Still to this day, a lot of people that I know don't even know that I went. They just thought I kind of fell off for like, right. cause people do fall off for years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was kind of, and actually I had a, I had a conversation with my buddy today, uh, Taylor and, uh, literally right before I got here, I was at the gym 
we started talking about hanging out and stuff. And I was like, yeah, man, I learned a lot of this stuff in prison. He's like, dude, I served prison time too. I was like, I had no idea. <laughs> He's like, I didn't know you went. Wow. So it was, yeah, it was pretty crazy. So in, in prison, is there, I don't know how much into detail you want to go, but is there the, like the politics that you see yep. on movies and mm-hmm. shows? hundred percent. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And my celly was not of political orientation that I was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. um, that was kind of a struggle at first. He didn't shower. He was 500 pounds, didn't brush his teeth, didn't do any of that. I'd wake him up every morning and be like, yo, you gotta, you gotta fucking clean yourself up. Yeah. And at that point I didn't care how much he weighed. I didn't care how much bigger he was. <laughs> like, like I was ready to just, it I'm was going to eat you boy. Yeah, it was, it is what, it, what, it, what, like we have one hour a day to shower and you're going to sleep through that one hour. Like you don't even care. He was just kind of trying to sleep. He was a pussy. It'd be yeah. nice just to get out for an hour. Yeah. Stand in the water and just let it hit you. Dude. I mean, the water was a high powered freaking pressure hose for sure. So it didn't feel very good. (laughs) It was still getting clean. And then, uh, my mom, um, I cannot remember. I think she called the facility or something like that. Cause there's actually a program down in Beaver. Um, it's called the Beaver residential treatment program where they send a lot of inmates that aren't really career criminals yet to try and like correct the behavior and, and try and make you so you don't come back. Right. 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 And so you guys bonking heads over there. Yeah. Just, just get a little frisky. So I think she called the facility and requested that I went there. I had no idea. I know we kind of talked about it a little bit beforehand, but I didn't tell her that I wanted to go yet. Um, so she called the facility and requested that I go. So I didn't have to spend my whole sentence in Draper uh, I can't remember the exact amount of days, but I was like, it was like three or four weeks that I was at Draper and then they shipped me down to Beaver and they, they moved you because of this program. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they take you down on a bus all the way down to Beaver and it's not a big facility at all. Um, the whole idea of going down there as well too, is from an inmate standpoint is you can get a time cut off your sentence. <clears throat> and I've heard of, I, w- I was hearing of people getting like six months off a year off and stuff like that. So anything sounds better. I was trying to get out, man. Um, so when, when did you find out how long you're going to actually be served or are they just finally like, Oh, you've served two years. You're free. And you're just like, what? No. So I went in and once I got down to Beaver, I was there for like two months, entered myself into this program. Cause it's on, it's a wait list. It's a, I mean, everybody wants to go to the program that first comes in cause they want to get out as fast as possible. Mm, and sure. most of them are full of shit, <clears throat> but I went into this program and I still really hadn't admitted to myself that like I had any like true issues with my character and I got into this program and I was like holy shit like I'm a dirtbag do you know what I mean like I was I, I had come to the I had come to the agreement that I was just I was what everybody didn't want to be around do you know what I mean right and it's a seven month program and I feel like you almost have to come to that realization dude to make the change right yeah yeah so it's a seven month program. By the end of the program, they had promoted me to a team lead position. And then, uh, after I completed the program, they put me on the road crew and the road crew, I was on there for like two months, which I wanted to do that because, okay, wait, 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 let's backtrack. So after the program, I submitted for a time cut. Mm. They gave me three months and I'm like, three months time cut off your sentence. Yeah. And this, but you still don't know what the time, ta- what your sentence is. No. So, uh, actually, okay, wait, wait, 
let me restructure this. So the program was seven months. So like two months before I actually finished the program, I submitted all my paperwork, let them know that I was in this program. I planned to complete. I was a team lead, blah, blah, blah. And then um, I got my sentence back before they gave me the decision on the time cut. And they said that I was going to do 34 months mm. or something like that. 30, yeah, it was like 30, 32 or so 33. Just shy of three years or yeah. around three years. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, man, this is insane. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. then I started talking to people and they're like, dude, I'm doing like five years on the same charge. And I was like, okay, so it's not that bad. So left the, or right before I left the program, they gave, they gave me my time cut back. It was like a three month time cut. So then I chopped that down. It was like 30 months. And then I completed the program. They asked me to be on the road crew, which I was just using to kind of like transition back into society. Mm-hmm. Cause after you're there for so long, like after eight months, so it was eight months in before I found out how long it was actually going to okay. do. Eight months. So man, you're in the crazy. dark Yeah. for eight months. Yeah. You were about getting in fights and stuff? Like if, I got, if I put myself in your position and I'm, I got to serve five years for the same charge you do and you're only doing three, I, if I were a him? piece of shit, mm-hmm. I, I'd probably be like, you know what? Fuck you. That's not cool. It happens. They'll tr- they'll try to instigate you to get as much time as them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I did get in one fight, so it's it's completely stupid. But there's three words that you just don't call somebody in there, which is punk, bitch, or lame. Hmm. And somebody called me a bitch on the poker table, and I was like, "Fuck, I got to do something about it." <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyways, we we got into it, and I never had any issues after that. Do you know what I mean? That was yeah. the one fight that I had to get in, and it was really just to prove a point, like just. Sure. I, I can stand my ground. Sure. Do you know so, what I mean? so what is it? What does it look like <laughs> if you did nothing uh, after being called a bitch in get, prison? What what happens if you do nothing? You get treated like one for your entire stay. Hold my pocket. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Um, so I knew I had to do something, and I knew I had to prove myself, which I never had any issues after that. Did you get in trouble for it? Nobody ever. No, no, nobody knew. Mm-mm. This is more under wraps. Yep. That would have probably added some time or something. Oh yeah. I was in there for aggravated assault. Oh, I violated yeah. probation with an assault charge. Oh, that's good. Getting an assault charge in prison, which is actually assault by a prisoner. Um, oh, which is, I don't know if it's a felony, but I know it's definitely a class A. So they would have maxed me that out. That sucks if somebody went in there for not the big deal and they're just defending themselves in a fight. Mm-hmm. They end up having to stay more. Yep. And they could just keep going and keep going. I've spent 20 years because people keep picking fights with me. Seriously. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And most of them are the sex offenders. Hmm. I mean, you, you, you put your hands on a sex offender. It's a five to life. Jesus. Really? Yeah. So the, the okay. So in, in my, in my eyes, like assault. So you get into a fight versus a sex offender. Like, fuck that. Like the sex offender is worse. Yeah. So much worse. Yeah. So like, I feel like they protect them. Really? Why? That is insane. I feel like there should be some unwritten rule of like, yeah, you can have your way with that guy. Like, beat the shit out of him because he's a he's the worst, the scum, the the lowest of the low. Mm -hmm. The only time you really run into him is like at church or in the library, like anything like that, the cafeteria. Because they're they're completely separate. Yeah. Because they know probably that people want to people kill him. Yep, they're protected. Yep. But it's just sad that it'd be a worse offense to touch one of them versus somebody else. Yeah. So you kind of got to watch your, kind of got to watch out for your surroundings. Make sure that I mean, and when you get when you go in there, people check your paperwork. You know what I mean? They make sure you're they make sure you're not a rat. They make sure you're not a sex offender. 
I mean, they literally who's you, they like so, other inmates? Other inmates. So, like, so it's, it's public record for them to everything? too. No. So well, you how? walk you walk in there with a pre sentence invention. It's called a PSI packet, right? Which says what it has mean? every charge you've ever had, every every uh, test. Uh, what's it called? Uh, testimony. Every testimony that's ever been testified against you, your testimony, your like conversations with detectives, things like that. You're a rat or whatever. Yeah, it'll like if you rat it on somebody, it's in your blue packet. Oh, okay, uh, <laughs> that's scary. So right when I got in. I got put into a four-man cell, a uh, four-man dorm, and sure as shit, within like 15 minutes, what are you in for? And you just kind of got to lay it out on the line to make sure you're not, yeah. It's, I'm a serial killer. Leave me alone. It's gnarly. It's pretty gnarly. So you pretty much know exactly who who, who people are and who to stay All away right, from. I got one more question. Yeah. While you're in there, I hear everyone's making these weird burritos with... Doritos and ramen noodles Dude. and yes, is that the shit? I still make them. Oh. <laughs> I still make them. My my favorite snack is still ramen noodles. They like Weird. crush up. I don't even know, but at ninety cents a piece. Yeah, you, you pay crush up ramen and, and chips and hot water yeah. and eggs or something. I don't even know what all goes in it. Uh, so like beef jerky sticks, jalapenos, yeah. Doritos, ramen. Uh, that's pretty much it. How do they heat them up? Hot water. Hot water. You just have it. In the hot water pot. Well, there's a microwave too. You have, oh, okay. a, you have a microwave, but you don't really need it with the hot water pot. <laughs> it's a gnarly lifestyle, bro. It's crazy. So so if, say you didn't do the program and you didn't go to Beaver yeah. and you stayed in Draper, would thing, do you think things would look different? Uh, I would have been patched up and probably running with the white supremacies. Yeah. Yeah. Not patched by choice. Patched up is you'd a, be marked. A tattoo of a... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That it, my story could have been completely different. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So this is this program was almost a saving grace for you. Yeah, and that's why they do that because yeah, they know yeah. they know how it is and they know how the politics go. Because nobody will ever admit it as far as a guard, but guards don't run the prison. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The inmates pretty much self control oh, it. They outnumbered the guards. Yeah. I tried to get a job at the prison. Really? A while back. I couldn't pass the uh, written part because I'm a dummy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's pretty gnarly. Yeah, they, I heard stories because we knew, well, I knew somebody that was working there and uh, they're always having to do all kinds of cell checks and mm-hmm. looking for shivs everywhere, yeah. under beds everywhere. Unannounced. They too. have like the pepper balls that they're always having to shoot mm-hmm. and sometimes that just doesn't do the trick. I saw that happen twice. Yeah. Do you have any... Uh... Do you have any stories that you'll never forget that you'd want to share? Not really. Not really. I mean, it for the most part, I... Do you feel like you lucked out on your experience there? No. No? No, that was 100% intentional. Uh-huh. Like, I, my mindset was, I'm going to do everything I am, everything in my power to just make this the, my most valuable time of my life. Yeah. And it was. Like, I... It's... It's crazy. Like if I wouldn't have made that decision as soon as the cell closed behind me, if I wouldn't wrote, wouldn't have written the written the letter to my daughter's mom or anything like that. Making these promises, like keeping yourself accountable. Yeah. Almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm the type of person that just likes to prove people wrong. Do you yeah. know what I mean? In a good way. Sure. Do you sure. know what I mean? Like if somebody's talking shit, I like to prove them wrong. And somebody's talking bad, or if if I make a promise to somebody about something like that, I I do my best to to follow through with it. You know. Yeah. So. How was the how was the transition out then? So at the end of your sentence, how how was that? 
how did that look? It was gnarly. It was pretty crazy. So I moved into my dad's house because you kind of got to be supervised for a little while after. But right out of, I, I mean, because of the time that I spent, because of the books that I read, I had a pretty solid plan all the way up to five years out mm. um, from like first week out, first 30 days, first 60 days, first six months, first year, three years and five years. And I showed that to my parole officer when I got out and they're like, who, who showed you how to do this? And I'm like, nobody. I, I did this like I put in the work do you know what I mean and she uh, I started out with a he actually and he's like dude I've never seen anybody put in this this amount of work that's awesome coming out and that's good that's when I was like okay I'm on the right track because I still hadn't talked to really anybody I mean I talked to friends and stuff like that while I was in there and really the only people that I still talk to are the guys that were there for me when I was in there because that's the true test of like friendship. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? They're still with you even when you hit rock bottom. Yeah. Like, like my buddy Colin, bro, I, I would take a bullet for this guy because every time I called him answered, he helped me out with money on my books, make sure that I was living okay in there and everything like that. So that he is very easily the, my, my closest friend in my life, but the transition out, I went to my dad's Parole officer came out to my dad's house, realized he's just a good old country boy and stuff like that. Tried to tell my dad to put his guns away. My dad told him to get fucked. <laughs> and they were like, okay, can you at least put him in the barn or something? Right, and he's right, like, yeah, right. I can do that, but I'm not putting him away. away. Yeah. I mean, and you didn't have a, an offense with a gun or a no. weapon. I mean, I guess associate, you know, being an, a, an assault charge, yeah. they might be a little bit leery, but... Mm -hmm. So they never really bothered me after that. And, uh, how long was your parole? Three years. But I remember, so I was on house arrest for the first 30 days or 60 days. I can't remember, but I still hadn't seen nighttime. Like I hadn't seen nighttime in two years. Mm. And so I got out and I was on house arrest. I had to be in the house by six I, or no in the house by eight. Couldn't leave the house before six. So I still hadn't seen nighttime. And then I remember the first day I got off house arrest, me and my dad took a drive to Sonic <laughs> to go get a watermelon slushy. I will never forget this in my life. And we're driving up 1900 in Clinton and the lights and everything. Like I was seeing tracers. I was like having a panic attack. My breathing was off. Crazy. And I, I told him, I was like, dad, you got to pull over. And he's like, why? And I'm like, I can't handle this. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, dad, I have not seen nighttime for two years plus. Yeah. And it was too, like I was hyperventilating. It was an, it was gnarly. Like I was on drugs is what it felt right, like. Right. And anyways, that was, um, yeah, that was pretty intense. But then I joined a multi-level marketing company and I, I realized I could have, a lot of influence based off my experience and everything like that. Me and Steve Bowman, one of my buddies. You uh, say Steve Bowen? Bowman. Oh, Bowman. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a savage. I love that kid. But um, we built a pretty solid team within a, the first little bit. And then I just realized multi the network marketing thing wasn't for me. Yeah. Got into drywall because I've I know that by trade. Did that for a year. And then finally, the manager that I worked for in the car business called me out of the blue and was like, hey, do you want to get back in the car business? And I'm like, bro, that's not funny because with a felon, with a new felon, or since I, because I had my sales license before, but since I violated par parole, probation, and I went to prison, I couldn't renew my license, my sales license. So then I tried to reapply and they just kept denying it, denying it, right. denying it. Right. 
and then he's like, do you want to get back into the car business for Lexus? And Lexus has always been my favorite car, like yeah. favorite brand, Lexus and Toyota. And I was like, dude, that's not funny. He's like, no, I found a loophole. And I was like, let's go, bro. And from there, it was pretty much game over. Like I, and that's, uh, that's when I, I met you is when you were with Texas or not, uh, with Lexus, right? Yes. The yeah. first annual super, the first annual super meet. That's where I met you. Was it? Yep. Okay. At Lexus of Linden, wasn't it? Uh, Wait, no, you didn't go to that one. No, I didn't go to that one. No, I don't know where. Oh, I that's right. Go. You were down in Linden first and then you moved up here to the Salt Lake one. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you were at the Salt Lake one when I first met you. Okay. But like not for very long it was maybe right at the end of your, your stint with the, with Lexus. Yeah. Um, after that, so, so I've known you going through a lot of different changes and a lot of sacrifices that you've made, mm -hmm. like bold moves, leaving, leaving a, a solid job, making good money to do your own thing. Uh, what motivated you to do that? Like, where was the drive? Like, where, what did that come from? So my first month at Lexus, I, sh I shattered the store record. I did like 23 and a half cars and I was doing really, really good, but I was there for, like a year and a half selling like 20 to 25 cars a month, but I was tapped out. So I was like, how can I maximize what I'm doing? And I, I had had a Adderall addiction before I went to prison, not an addiction, but it was, I was taking Adderall, right? right. I knew, I knew where it could lead to. And so I just kind of shopped around to see if I could get some Adderall and I took it. I took one Adderall bro. And I, I, I literally thought to myself, this is going to take everything away from me. I made the, the year before that I made like 150 grand. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And a month after I, I took that first Adderall, I got into a confrontation with the GM who was a new GM that tried to take away a lot of my responsibility as a floor manager. I, I had a really good setup and then he tried to kind of come in and mess with it. And so I just quit. That's when I went to Murray. Oh, okay. And that was an impulse decision based off the Adderall. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I went to Lexus of Murray. Oh, I picked up the camera in Linden too. And immediately my passion went from car sales to photography mm. and I sucked. Like it was, <laughs> it was, I was trash. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. And then when I went to Murray, um, I was there for a little bit, started to get more clients with photography and stuff like that. Started to have a chip on my shoulder. I can do this. I don't really need car sales. And got into a confrontation with one of the cell, Mike, you know, Mike Pearson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we still, we still, we're still brothers till this day, but we got in a confrontation. I got fired mm. and I was like, I don't need you guys anyways. I have my photography shit. And dude, I ate complete dog shit. <laughs> like I tried it for six months. I was broke. My girlfriend was frustrated. She said, you got to do something different. So I went back to the car business and <clears throat> still sucked. And my passion just wasn't for car sales anymore, but I was still take. I mean, by this point I'm up to like 120 milligrams of Adderall a day. Yeah. Which, and you got to make money. So yeah. Like a normal prescription is like what? 30 40, milligrams a day, 20 milligrams, milligrams a day. pretty standard. Yeah. So I'm like tripling up on it and I'm just wired out of my mind. So I left there again. And by this time I had a pretty solid foundation with my photography. Um, so I just, I sent it and it was a struggle at first, but, um, doing stuff for you guys, doing stuff for barber shops, Mike Canales, he was a pretty big influence in what I was doing with my business and everything like that. 
So it did take a little bit. Of, I mean, I've always been a risk taker, bro. Like yeah. anything in life, you have to take somewhat of a risk to actually make something of it. Right. And did that for a while. And then I was, I was getting, I was to the point where I was like, okay, we're doing this. Like we're making good money. I actually had conversations with you about that. Like, bro, I'm finally. Yeah. To the I point remember. I where remember. I can pay my bills and stuff comfortably. And then COVID hit. Uh, of so, course. Um, that wiped me out. Before that, what were you, you were working for diesel brothers or something? Uh, yeah. So COVID hit. Um, and because of like most of my clients were out of the state. Um, my biggest client was out of the state in Texas. It was a solar marketing company that I was doing a bunch of video, ma- uh, marketing ads for. And so I couldn't fly. So that job uh, was toast. Yeah. Barbershops were shut down. Right. So he didn't need me anymore. Uh, the car dealerships weren't, I mean, it, every, I was business to business and it just, there was no, there was no possible I just, I, I didn't have the client. All my clients basically stopped using me. Right. Right. So, um, at that time I went like three months without a, without a job relationship was really on the rocks at this point and got back into the car business again. <laughs> and, I was like, Dude. and the whole time I just had an attitude, like, I don't want to be here. Do you know what I mean? And right. Winston, uh, who I had worked for back in 2012, right before I went to prison when I was at Hyundai, he gave me a chance and I told him I wasn't going to waste it. And I just totally shit on it. Do you know what I mean? And I, yeah. I feel, yeah. feel terrible about it, but it just, it just wasn't who I was. I couldn't, I couldn't get involved with it. I was still doing a little bit of the photography, like KSL ads and stuff like that. that I was taking pictures for, and then I started looking around and then somebody tagged me in a post for the diesel brothers and was like, bro, you should do this. Cause you definitely have what it takes. And I'm like, bro, that's the, fucking diesel brothers are you kidding me right and he's like no bro trust me you can do it and i was like all right whatever i'll send it and you're the type of person somebody gives you a challenge like that you're gonna give everything you have yes and that's kind of a character it's kind of a it can be a blessing and a curse sometimes (laughs) Um, so i went and i did a test shoot with diesel dave caleb uh cole and everybody up at the bountiful bee and they it was the middle of the day, black truck and terrible lighting, dude, terrible, terrible, terrible. But I, I somehow got lucky and came out with some fire freaking content and they hired me. The money definitely wasn't what I wanted, but it was more than what I was making. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And sure. it was a dope job. Don't get me wrong. It was a really dope job. I did some cool things. Diesel Dave is one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, but it just, I was promised a lot and didn't get delivered on mm. hardly any of it. Um, so it kind of burned me out. And that's when I realized my passion. Oh, you know what? So girlfriend and I split up right before I left to go work there. And by this time I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm fucking up. Do you know what I mean? Again. And I was seeing myself going down the same path that led me to prison. Right, right. And so I was like, man, something's got to change. So I pulled Diesel Dave aside. By this, I'm still using massive amounts of Adderall. And I pulled Diesel Dave aside. And, I was, and this is right after I had a conversation with my ex. Um, she had no idea that I was even using Adderall. And I was like, yo, I've been using 120 milligrams of Adderall a day. 
for like the last three years. And she's like, okay, well that makes me feel like shit. I'm like, this is not to get you back. I realize I'm kind of falling on my sword, but you need to understand like, this wasn't you. This was me. Do you know what I mean? I just, I was emotionally incapable of actually being attentive to what she actually needed. Do you know what I mean? Based off the Adderall and everything. So if, and you don't have to go into detail, but do you think that's what, do you think the Adderall or that part of it is what hurt the relationship the most? hundred percent. Yeah. Our relationship was perfect. I was looking at rings. I actually had a uh, trip planned on the 4th of July. The 4th of July is her favorite holiday. Mm. And I was, I had a trip planned to New York and I was going to propose at the top of the Empire State Building while the fireworks were going off. Wow. And I was looking at rings and everything and I made a bunch of changes and stuff like that. And that's, I had a car, a Honda Civic Hybrid five speed. It's like, super rare <laughs> and I just was holding on to it because I knew it was about the same cost of what it would it would be for a ring but because of all the job changes and stuff like that I had to sell it yeah, yeah. and I still had this trip planned in New York so we still went um, but I didn't propose to her um, but had it not been for the Adderall yes yeah we would probably be married right now so does I mean this is this is on air I, I don't know that she'll ever hear it but does she know that you were going to propose oh yeah Okay. Yeah. yeah Did she know before or after? Uh, it was a little bit before that because we had, she started like getting into like, yo, are we ever going to do this? Or right. Like, right. Are you serious about this? And I'm like, so the whole New York trip, this was, that was my plan. Do you know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. I talked to her mom. I talked to her dad. I got their approval. I got all, I mean, it was, I was putting in the right before I started using, obviously. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it would, if it wasn't for that, yes, I would probably, we would probably still be together. Do you know what I mean? So that, that made it hurt even more. Right. And so once I told her that I had been using it, I was falling on my sword completely because then I had been lying to her for three years and she had no idea. Right. Do you know what I mean? So, but she just, it just adds to it. Yeah. And she's literally the sweetest woman I know. So I, I felt like she at least deserved that. And, uh, this is making me fucking sweating. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I told her after I told her that, or I told her I'm done, not for you, but I feel like I do owe it to us and our relationship to just be done. And she's like, yeah, but I don't want you to do it for me. I was like, this is not for you. This is to like, make sure that that time wasn't wasted. Right. And this this was, was this after you guys decided to split? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like two or three weeks after. Mm. So right when I like, I had to get real with myself, you know what I mean? Cause I knew that's what it was hundred percent. So I told her I was done next day. Um, I had a sky, a skydiving trip planned and I just told myself I was just going to leave everything negative in the air. Like everything that had brought me up to that point, I was just going to leave it in the air when I jumped. And that's, I, I, I remember that day. Yeah. Uh, you talked to me about it Yep. and you talked to me about how kind of life changing it was for you. Dude, it was monumental. Um, falling out of the sky at 150 miles an hour for like almost an entire minute eyes are like, so the guy was like, put your goggles on as tight as you can. I'm like, okay. So somebody says that to me, I'm like, okay, he said as tight as I can. So I freaking they like, <laughs> like suck to my face right before we jump. And then the second thing he told me, he's like, make sure you tilt your head back into my, into my shoulder. So you're not breathing in the air. 
So we jump, my goggles are so tight. It's like, like, you know, when you put goggles on, like, yeah. like to go underwater and you put them on too tight and it like squeezes your oh, eyeball. Yep. Same thing. So we jump. First thing I do is look down <clears throat> and immediately, or no, first thing. So you're supposed to jump like this and keep your head up into his shoulder. And the first thing I do when we jump is like, I'm like, yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Like screaming, <laughs> celebrating face down to the earth. Oh. And I'm trying to breathe and I'm like trying to breathe through my teeth. And I couldn't, I was like, oh, you know what I mean? Suffocating the whole time. while falling. Yes. <laughs> And because my goggles were so tight, it was making my eyes water. So like a puddle of water started to build up around the outside edge of my goggles. And still I had the mental clarity to like actually realize like, yo, this is living. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is what it means to, I was, this is my first day sober. Like basically like, anyways, I was like, yeah, this is what it means to live. And I was, and I started thinking to myself, I'm like, my car doesn't really matter my camera gear doesn't really matter. It's not who I am. I'm, I've been putting on this facade and trying to be somebody that I really wasn't for a very long time. Do you know what I mean? And I made the decision before I hit the ground that I was just going to sell all the materialistic shit that I have because mm. that's what I used to define who I was. Do you know what I right, mean? Right. And it was, it was life changing. It was crazy. So, and the thing about it is my, my good friend, Amanda, I've known her since like high school um, she had to talk me into skydiving and she's like, listen, my boyfriend told me this and this is why I went. She's like, you got to think about it. Evolution for all of existence has taught you not to be put in, not to put yourself in a situation where you could die. Do you know what I mean? Right. That's just the way we're built Yeah. mentally. Yeah. And she said, so you jumping out of that airplane takes your mind past the point of where it's ever been before. And that's exactly what happened. And since then, that's, that's any chance I get, I try to challenge myself like that mentally. So, um, backtrack like a week or no, I told you I needed, I, I talked to diesel Dave or no, I brought it to diesel Dave. Yeah. I was like, yo, I, I got a severe addiction. I got to kick this shit. Give me like eight days off. Cause I need to just battle my way through this and just get off. And he's like, okay. So that's when the skydiving thing happened. I came home, renewed my prescription on the way home, knowing that I wasn't going to do it. And I, I told myself, if I'm going to do this, I got to put myself in the most intense situation possible to make sure that it's not going to get to that point again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I came home, I emptied the entire prescription on my kitchen counter, 90 pills. And I screamed at it. I screamed at the pills and was like, you actually think you can win this fucking battle. You will not fucking win this battle. I, I guarantee you won't win this battle. And within an hour I had started, like it was starting to like, wait, maybe just one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I would go down there and I would stare at him, bro. And then it would get, it would get to the point where it was so much. I would go back upstairs. I'd run myself a hot bath, turn off the lights, light candles, put on meditation music and just as consciously aware as fucking possible i was battling it within my head like Just literally battling it. the whole time and yeah like, it's too close so silently just battling with it and i was taking like eight baths a day <laughs> for like for literally eight days straight mm. and then i i realized i was like okay after the eighth day i was like i'm good i can go back to work went back to work at the diesel brothers um what's crazy is i realized that that really wasn't what I wanted to do once I became like, well, once you were, had that mental clarity. Yeah. 
then you start realizing things and yeah and i realized like the only the only reason i even picked up a camera is because i had the energy to do so right like basically because because of the adderall right Right, so i had like the energy to do so and i just thought that i had to always be on the hustle blah 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 and uh so I realized I wasn't really about it anymore. I got into an argument with Cole, one of the one of the guys that works the ads and stuff for Diesel Brothers, and just left or just basically quit on set with Discovery Channel. Wow! And literally the second we got back to the shop, I packed everything up and put it in my car and I just left. Didn't say anything to anybody. And then Diesel Dave reached out a little while after because I hadn't gotten my last check, so I took some gear that they had and. Um, didn't, uh, didn't give it to him. Then he called me. He's like, yo, you got to bring this gear back. And I'm like, I'm not stepping foot on that place, bro. Like, if you want to come and get it, that's fine. I'll give it to you. And so he drove to my house, got the gear and then, um, went like three weeks limbo status, got a job with Vivint and, uh, three weeks into Vivint, the state sends me a letter saying they're not going to approve my burglar alarm sales license because of my felony. And I'm like, fuck man, (laughs) can this ever leave my life? Am I ever going to be able to move past this? I've, I swear I'm doing like the most I possibly can. And this just keeps coming up, just keeps coming up. Just haunts you. And it's just a constant like struggle, like to get a, to get an apartment even with a, with a felony. You're well, even the place that I live, it's, it's a, it's what is it for rent by owner? I even had to talk him into it. So then I leave Vivint. They escorted me off or they kind of escorted me off the campus. And, um, I went another and mind you, me and, uh, the ex were starting to hang out at this point. And then she's like, okay, things are going good. Then I get fucking shit canned from Vivint because I can't work there. And it's just like, dude, I swear every chance that I get that I'm starting to do good. It's like, they're like, no, 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 stay down, like stay down. And, that's just the way my life's supposed to be. Yeah. So I've shifted my mindset from like, I'm picked on to like, nothing can ever happen in my life. That's going to fuck. That's going to mentally fuck me ever again. And, uh, I got a job at Debella where I'm at now. And dude, it's crazy. So one of the, one of the big reasons I wanted to kind of bring you here today and talk to you is, um, in, in large part to maybe help people that have gone through or that are going through what you're going or, you know, that what you've been through, mm-hmm. uh, where do you find the motivation? Dude. Like, like in, in every aspect of your life. So when you were at rock bottom, like where, what, where does the motivation come from? What does that look like to you? Like what makes you push past that? Cause a lot of people hit rock bottom and they're, they're stuck or, or it affects them or they, they just stay kind of in that area and they can't pull themselves out. Um, do you have something in life or someone or, or just this no. mindset that I don't rely on anybody anymore. I don't, you've I, just been burnt too many times. No, I just, I've relied on people for too long to pull me out of my shit. So I didn't ever have to like take ownership of my shit. Um, but when I went through that breakup, I just got real with myself and realized like, I'm not, cause most people think they're, most people think they are actually hustling and they're actually working hard. And when they, when they say that to me, I'm like, okay, if you really think you're hustling and you really think you're working hard tomorrow, wake up and every fucking thing you do during the day, do it to a, do it at 110%. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking like 
perfectly put your feet out of your bed and put your feet <laughs> on the bed, perfectly slide your feet into your right, sides, right. walk to the bathroom with really good posture, brush your teeth as good as you've ever brushed them, get dressed as like, I'm talking like to the nine, everything, yeah. everything that you do. And then at the end of the day, you'll have a really good idea of exactly how fucking hard you're actually going. Mm. And everybody that I've told that to was like, yo, I was like exhausting. Well, I realized how they realized how lazy they've actually been. They thought they were hustling. Right. Right. So it's that, but I think, I think it, I mean, the reason that I, I just want to be a high value male, man. Like I've, for too long, I've been mediocre for too long. I've been, I struggled with confidence. I struggled with not thinking, not, not thinking that I was good enough. I always thought that I didn't really deserve all the money in the world or I deserved a good relationship and shit like that. And I knew it was going to take one hell of a woman to ever get my attention again. And I knew that in order for me to attract that person or people, uh, high value people, I mean, I, they say you, you are who you surround yourself with, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't get to that point just by jumping into that crowd of people. You got to do some pretty, pretty intense, like self development. Right. 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 And so it started when I was going through the breakup, I, I bought a bunch of books. I was writing in the journal and I was just getting real with myself and I was just coming up with a plan and I was like, fuck, this is my chance. Like you, you've never, ever, ever in your life actually tried to live up to your full potential ever. And I just told myself, oh, you know what? It, it My mindset shifted when I did 75 hard. Really? That's what it was. I forgot about that. What's 75 hard? So 75 days, two workouts a day, 45 minutes, one of them inside, one of them outside, rain, shine, snow, oh. dark, whatever. You have to get the workouts in. Um, follow a diet for 75 days, drink a gallon of water, uh, read 10 pages out of a self-help book, actually read it, not listen to an audio book. Um, and then, uh, is there one more? I think that's it. But during that time I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go all in. I'm not going to quit because I've never really been a quitter, right? Like I, I have quit, but I mentally, I'm not really a quitter. And so I started the program with like three or four other people and then more people started to join in after I started doing it and it like changed me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it formed habits that I had never had before, like consistently going to the gym. Now it bugs me when I don't go to the gym, right? Right. How it bugs people to go to the gym. I was feeling the opposite (laughs) by the end of it. Right. And the amount of compliments, the amount of messages and everything that I got when I completed it was like, yo, you just did something that not very many people can actually do. Like you should be proud of yourself. And I'm like, I should be proud of myself. Do you know what I mean? But I'm not even close to where I went or not. I'm not even close to where I want to be, but it all started when I, when I jumped out of that plane, man, like Amanda, I mean, I owe everything to her. Um, she's just a friend. We've been friends since high school and she, She's just been a good, good influence. But what she said to me is when she said, you're pushing your mental state beyond the point that it's ever been before. Um, it resonated with me to the very core. And so now, I mean, my, my why, you know, how they say start with your why and stuff like that is to become a high value male, which means I have to basically be 110% in every area of my life. 
uh, fitness, work, spiritual, family, like, uh, I had to be at a hundred percent. So that pretty much covered my basis and that's what wakes me up in the morning. But, um, everything I do, I look for a growth opportunity in it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because of that, like, how can I get better from this? And it doesn't matter right. what it is. Right. So more recently, um, actually like this was a prime example, like a week and a half ago, uh, I dislocated my shoulder rock climbing for the first time <laughs> and it was gnarly. So I've popped my shoulder out like playing football. I was, a, I, I had popped my shoulder out like five or six times during games and I was always able to just pop it right back in. And this one was like gnarly. My socket, my, my whole entire shoulder socket was in my armpit oh, and like the people at, at the, what do they call it? The, the front. I walk up to the front desk. I'm like, Hey, you guys got anything, anybody that can like pop a shoulder back in? They're like, is your shoulder popped out right now? And I showed him, he's like, Oh fuck. <laughs> and he's like, how are you so calm? I heard this is painful. I was like, it's fucking painful. Bro. Trust me. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know how you're tolerating it, but no, I don't have anybody that can pop it in. I was like, yo, this is a, a rock climbing gym. He's like, but I can get an ambulance here. I'm like an ambulance for a dislocated oh, shoulder. So much. Yeah. yeah. So I tried popping it in for like an hour and a half. Finally, I would go to the emergency room and because of the way that I've structured my mindset and my life and everything like that, they, they said they were going to have to sedate me because of the amount of pain that I was about to go through. And I was like, okay, so I could do that or I can battle through this and push my mind. Right. Same thing as the skydiving. Exactly. Push your mind past that point. Right beyond the point that it's ever been because if you think about it this way if you do shit like that i mean that is the most pain i've ever been in in my entire life and i was about i was in the most pain that i've ever been in and i was about to get that fucker cranked on <laughs> and basically pop it out again to get it back to in the same spot it. yep and i looked at my so actually my ment my mentee that i one of the guys that I hired on my sales team, he was with me. He's actually a really good rock climber, but I looked at him. I was like, let's just fucking send it. And I told the doc, I was like, I don't want to be sedated. She's like, do you want any pain meds? I was like, no. I was like, maybe an ibuprofen. Do you got an ibuprofen? She's like, no, you can actually swallow something just in case we have to sedate you. I was like, I'm not getting sedated. Yeah. You're not going to sedate me. Yeah, yeah. And you can't sedate me because it's my choice. And she's like, are you sure? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, this is it. And then, the doc came in and she was very calm and collected. She's like, um, it is going to be painful, but you can do this. We can do this. You don't have to have the sedation. She tried to like basically calm me down a little bit. Cause I was starting to trip out. Oh, I'm sure. You know? And at this time, even just laying in the bed, my shoulder was just in excruciating pain. So she put me up against the wall and I have a video of this and she started cranking on it. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, please God, this is, <laughs> it's so fucking bad. And, Ugh. um, that's what keeps me going, bro. Is just looking for ways to get, looking for ways to push my mental state yeah. beyond the point that, that it's ever that, been before. Uh, pushing your mental state past that natural place is kind of that drug of motivation for you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So then the opposite of that, you know, finding that motivation at the, your lowest low, being in a position where you're at now, where you're, I mean, you've done really well for yourself. You're kind of on a, on a high right now. Mm -hmm. How do you maintain that motivation? Cause a lot of people 
will hit a point where they're like, Hey, I've, I've made it. Like I've, I've gotten to where I want to be. This is awesome. And then they lose it. So how do you maintain that motivation? Same thing as it's, uh, cause it, it's got to look a little bit different being in reach that the top. And then you've got to shoot for higher. Yeah. So I do a lot of goal setting and stuff like that. I ha- I'm actually, I have a really like structured goal setting plan. That's basically 10 questions that come up that kind of realign your goals again. But mostly what it is, is I'm never going to be at my full potential. It's impossible to be at your full potential because your full potential keeps growing. Right. But it's still the high value thing, bro. I, I still, yeah. I, I'm not a hundred percent sold that I am that high value human. Do you know what I mean? And I won't be there until I have everything that I ever wanted and I don't have to worry about. Will you is, does that, does that point exist? I don't think so. Can it exist? I don't think so. I really don't think it does. Yeah. So that's kind of what, I mean, I'm always pushing myself to go to that next like level and stuff, but I think it's just realigning the goals. The business that I work for, bro, is, the, the company motto is lead care grow. So they like develop leaders and you develop leaders under you. Right. So you're constantly, you have a mentor constantly, but then you're mentoring somebody constantly. So you're caught in between. And that's probably really what it is right now. Like that's helping me out a ton is, I mean, I've only been with this company since August, my first three months there, I did really, really well. They promoted me to a team lead and then it was, I haven't even, I hadn't even hired a full team yet. And they were already talking about me submitting for a general manager position. I'm like, yo, can I at least prove myself first? <laughs> and uh, you already did. Cause I've had, I've had probably six or seven people quit on me. Um, just cause it's a hundred percent commission. They don't know what it's, they don't really know what it's about. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Commission, hundred percent commission. You got to have drive. It takes like, a savage mindset. Drive. Yeah. So even then, like the revolving door on my team, like this month we dropped down to two people on the team and we're still gaining traction. But I submitted my GMIT interview. I don't know where I'm going to go if I get the GMIT, if I get into the GMIT program and actually complete it. So I think it's the unknown. And I think what a lot of people, I know for the majority of people and what I struggled with before is trying to control the uncertainty of things like well what if this happens what if that happens like well you know what i mean like just there's absolutely you can't be certain of anything yeah and so many people try and control that uncertainty and it is crippling yeah you You try to control something that you can't and you lose exactly and and i think that's mostly what it is and in the book i don't know if you've ever read unfuck yourself uh i have it actually i have not read it i do have it life-changing book. He talks about that. Like being, you can't control the uncertainty of situations, people, things, and even in your own life. Do you know what I mean? So you just need to understand and be willing to let go of uncertainty and just focus on what is certain. So do you think it's, do you think it's crucial to maintain goals, like higher goals all the time? Yeah. Cause cause that kind of helps push you. Yeah. And then like sprinkle in like some little goals, like I'm going to hit the gym five days this week. But the end goal of that is I want to weigh this. I want to be this percent body fat. I want to have this on my kind of. And then keep expanding on those goals. Cause once you hit or meet those goals, you, yeah. you got to keep pushing past that. Mm-hmm. When, when do you think, what was the, what was your rock bottom? 
Cause I mean, you've, you've been through relationship issues. You've been through, um, you know, prison. What, what to you was your rock bottom? I think I've had two of them. It was my breakup and prison. Yeah. Pro- well, actually three. Um, in high school, I fractured my L3 vertebrae playing football. I was four games into my senior season. I was good enough to play college ball. I was a two, two-way starter. I was the kick returner, the punt returner. I was I was the guy. Do you know what I mean? And I fractured my L3 vertebrae in the middle of a game and actually finished the game. I finished the fourth quarter with a fractured L3 vertebrae. Yeah. So... I don't know if it's my pain tolerance or what, bro, but like I can handle quite a bit of pain, but, um, that was my first rock bottom. That's what led, that's kind of led me to kind of spiral out of control yeah. and end up in prison. Right. Was for, the, was it the rock bottom because it ended your football career? That's who I was. Yeah. And. Well, you lose your identity and that's exactly that's crippling in itself. As a high school kid, mm-hmm. you lose your identity that's basically made you who you are in high school. The popular guy, the do you know what I mean? Yep. And you you lose that. I immediately started smoking weed, getting high, like on the sidelines with my own team, and finally just stopped going to games. I was like, fuck this, like what's the point? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. By this time I'm going to raves and doing a bunch of Molly and ecstasy acid mushrooms all sorts of shit yeah and i know that's going way 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 back but um so that was my first rock bottom prison was my second the breakup was the third um a lot of people think that the rock bottom is just one thing but you can have multiple of them do you know what i mean it's just in the the relationship was more on the emotional side the prison sentence was more um the well the repercussions for my actions do you know what i mean and the first one was losing my identity so i've been through multiple rock bottoms and chris chris and i have actually talked about hitting the rock bottom and the fact that it might be a necessary thing in life it is for everybody to hit rock bottom i mean you look at like robert downer downey jr yeah he used to be an addict yeah he did prison time that motherfucker goes hard Yeah. (laughs) yeah do you know what i mean and there's a lot of people, I mean, Walt Disney went bankrupt in like, I can't remember exactly what year it was. Walt Disney was bankrupt. I mean, Elon Musk failed multiple times, yeah. hit his rock bottom and shit like that. Trump has declared like six or seven bankruptcies. <laughs> yeah, Do you yeah. know what I mean? I literally think it's what makes you mentally tough to endure anything like I don't care what happens in my life, bro. I will fuck it up. Yeah. Like mentally, I will overcome it. And that's just the mindset that I have. Like I almost crave shit like this to happen now because it doesn't even, doesn't even affect me anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like oh. when I, you, you almost have to experience loss to yeah. have that motivation to push forward, Yep. you know, to find yourself or find what it is you're looking for again. Yeah. But the problem is, is a lot of people that hit rock bottom can't pick themselves back up. Mm-hmm. And that's what's hard. That's what's, that's what like trying to find where that motivation is. It's, it's different for everybody, but that's why um, I don't have like a clear answer, bro. Yeah. Cause it's not, but it's, still like listening to your story and, and listening to what you, you know, where you thrived and what you pushed for. I mean, that was your motivation. That's what your motivation looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody just has to find their own, their own motivation, but you know, listening to what you went through, maybe that'll help somebody, you know, at least guide them in a, in a direction that they can go Yeah. to try to find their path. Well, now I've kind of publicly 
put myself in a situation where I have to prove somebody because the last podcast that I did with John, um, I announced that I, I, so while I was in prison, I developed a character mapping program. Um, ah, you've told me about this. Yeah. And I have, I haven't really talked about it much. This is the second time I've talked about it publicly, publicly. Um, but the character mapping program, basically you start with the end goal of mind. Like if somebody were, if you were to die, and somebody could list off seven main characteristics that you had as a person, what would they say? Or what would you want them to say? And then basically restructuring, re, uh, re reverse engineering that end goal into daily tasks in basically becoming that person. And what's crazy is I'm actually putting together like a goal setting system for the guys at work. Mm. And I'm going through all my prison journals and shit like that. And it's, I've telling all these guys like, and I, the person that I wanted to be when I was in there is exactly who sits before you right now. Like to a T I'm not talking a little bit. I'm talking like every single thing that I envisioned for myself is finally coming into fruition. It's taken, it's been what I got out in 2014. Mm. It's taken this long. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's not like, I think a lot of people are instant gratification. They think just cause they worked hard for a month or a week or a year that they're going to get everything. No, right, this shit's right. fucking never ending, bro. Do you know well, what I mean? That's, that's society today. I mean, exactly. you look at all the social media, it's all instant gratification. Mm -hmm. You get a post, you get a hundred likes, instant gratification. Yes. Right there. So that's the, that's the mindset these days. Yeah. And the last, uh, so I was actually in the last podcast, I announced that I'm, I'm writing a book cause I didn't really know how to like release this program. I wanted to do an app at first. I wanted, then I wanted to do, uh, like a worksheet, like a kind of a guide. Um, but I talked to somebody that I look up to that it's actually pretty known. I mean, he, he worked with the diesel brothers. Um, he's like, yo, this is a book. He's like, you need to put this in a book. And I'm like a book. And he's like, yeah, this, <laughs> this needs a story attached to it. Right. Cause right. otherwise it's just, it, it doesn't have any, substance yeah. doesn't have any depth oh then it it attaches people emotionally yes so i kind of put myself on the spot there when i on the last podcast like yo i'm i'm writing a book and i don't know when it's going to come out hopefully within the next year year and a half but um now i don't have a choice bro like now i'm because <laughs> I'm, i won't i won't fail i won't i won't do you know what i mean it's just it's not in me so that's also what keeps me going as well and there's just like a a lot of people have a story to share. A lot of people could write a book. Oh, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people think about writing a book, but they just don't do it. But the fact that I started it and am actually starting to implement it and stuff like that. So that probably helps me continue to keep going. Do you know what I mean? Have you started writing this book? Yeah. You have? Yeah, I have the prologue um, written. Um, now I'm working through the chapters. And what's crazy, so because I hadn't have had this book, book idea until like the last year I'm having to like go back through my life and like relearn the lessons that I did learn and why I overcame it, how I overcame it and basically what lesson I could basically teach based on right. that. Which is, which is incredible going back through stuff as well because you kind of rehash everything you went through and it reminds you of why you're doing what you're doing. Go through the same emotions too. I mean, some days dude, I'll just cry. Do you know what I mean? Like, at, like it, it, so many emotions. Um, but the book is called discover your power. I have the title and everything. Like oh, I've already, awesome. I've designed the, the art on the title and everything mm -hmm. like that. And it's just, it's basically train, uh, chains 
with like an explosion in the middle and the chains are like breaking apart. You know what I mean? And discover your power means like discover your power at its truest form. And I realized my power is vulnerability, Mm. like a hundred percent vulnerability. Like I don't give a fuck. You can ask me any question. Um, and I will do my best to give you a solid answer on it. That's truthful. That's, that has integrity. And I don't care. Like there's been recent conversations with women. Um, <laughs> one in particular that, uh, I was kind of talking to the other night. This is recent, like yeah. recent, recent and fresh off the press. Yes. And this falls back on, she thought she was going hard. She thought she was hustling. Yeah. And I was like, can I be honest with you for a second? And she's like, sure. And I'm like, no, really? Like, I'm going to like, can I be honest with you? <laughs> oh, no. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I just am seeing some things that I think you need to actually hear and realize. And she's like, sure. And I'm like, I promise you it's going to hurt your feelings and it's going to cut you to the core. And she's like, yeah, go ahead. And I'm like, look around you. And like her room was all messy. There was laundry all over the place. There was shit on the nightstand and everything like that. And I'm like, look at you. And what's going on in your life. And we had argued about like the TV. Like she has to fall asleep with the TV on. Mm. And I'm like, that is so fucking toxic. And she's like, no, it's not. It helps me. And I'm like, you have the inability to sit with your own mind and think basically about your life and what you're doing and shit like that. You are doing everything you can to stimulate your mind not to think about that shit. You're distracting your mind from accountability. Exactly. And she's like, hmm. No, I just like watching TV. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, you have a vape right there. You have, uh, uh, what was it? A, a beer. You have all this shit that you have to constantly stimulate yourself with because you can't sit with your own thoughts and actually think about shit. Mm. And I was like, your bed wasn't made the first time I came over. It wasn't made the second time I came over. Your clothes are in the same spot. You're doing the same shit. And you're just kind of, and I hit it to her. I like fucking came at her a hundred percent. Yeah. And, that's how I am now. It's like, if I feel like I can help somebody, if I feel like I need to tell somebody something, vulnerability is, and I don't know, she's, she's doing, it's been like a week and a half and she's like, yo, you're like, you fucked me up. I'm like, <laughs> no, like you needed to hear this shit. Yeah, like now yeah. she's like, this is small stuff, but like making your bed every morning is important. Do you know what I mean? And like, Oh, it's like that, that one guy that made the speech about, you know, the first thing you do when you get up is make your the bed. The Navy SEAL. Yeah. Yeah. Because yep. when you get home and the whole day is all screwed, you come back home to a made bed. That's their first success in the day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Celebrate the small wins. So so when you leave the house today, don't look around my house. Okay, Drew? No, your house is clean, bro. <laughs> <laughs> your house is clean. I'm glad we're not doing this podcast in my house. <laughs> I mean, with, uh, with your high standards... Do you find it hard meeting women? Because honestly, yes. like not a lot of people are going to have the same outlook on life that you have. No. And you're going to be a little more judgy towards the people that don't. And they're not probably even aware of it. Mm-mm. I mean, she does really well, bro. Like she's not like she's successful. And uh, I, I can't remember last time I made my bed. Yeah. And and that's bro. That's like, and there, obviously there's times that you slip up and shit like that. You get busy at work and everything. Like you throw a load of laundry in and it barely hits like the dryer barely gets done before you leave the house. So you just leave it there. Then you get home and you throw it in the laundry basket, but it's like 11 o'clock. So you don't really fold it. 
But then if you continue to do that and delay shit, it spirals. it spirals. And then next thing you know, bro, your life is so fucking unmanageable and so <laughs> out of control that like it becomes too much. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I got to go home and clean. <laughs> Dude. So I had this conversation with her and we actually get, she's like the same person that I am. And that's why I knew that I could hit her pretty yeah. much straight with it. Do you know what I mean? But I think people need to hear that sometimes, even when you know it's going to hurt them. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? And talking what Chris asked as far as it being hard to find women now with, with where you hold yourself, uh, it kind of goes back to what you said. You want to surround yourself with the people that make you better. Yes. So That's yes, the point. yes, that might make it more difficult or thin your options out. But in the long run, it it's better for you. It's better for that person. I mean, so, so I knew that it was going to, I knew that was going to be a, an issue. Basically me being, I'm psychotic when it comes to growth. And I tell, <laughs> I tell women that like when I first meet them and they're like, ah, yeah, funny. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like I'm a fucking psychopath when it comes to growth. And they're like, they really don't understand. Like she said, mm -hmm. and then I hit her with that. She's like, holy fuck. You're like, <laughs> cause like I haven't paid for internet for like an entire year. I haven't watched a full TV series for probably eight months. My TV hasn't even turned on for about a year. I've watched something on my iPad now and then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I finished all of Netflix. All of Netflix? <laughs> Holy shit, bro. That's an, that's no. an accomplishment. I can't even, I can't even be I mad went at real that. hard with the TV watching. And uh, yeah, that's I'm working crazy. on Amazon Prime. And uh, <laughs> that is awesome. So his, his type of growth is a little different than your type uh, of growth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm growing outwards and around. So to answer your question, is it hard? Yes, but I stayed ahead of that by telling myself, okay, how long can I go celibate? Mm. And this is when I was doing 75 hard. I actually chose to be celibate completely. No masturbation, no sex, no porn, no nothing. Right before I was going through 75 hard and I chose to make that a part of my 75 right. hard. And then, I mean, I've had sex once in the last eight months. Damn. And haven't really even... But that, that's also, I mean, you look at it and that's also focusing even more on yourself because yes. something like that, you know, involves somebody else. It involves mm -hmm. a different type of stimulation yep. that in, in the stage of life where you're at, it can be distracting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So especially, yeah, you know, if you're not in any type of committed relationship right now, because you know, that's part of a committed relationship, but if there's no commitment there, it is a distraction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if a woman can mentally, mentally stimulate me and hang with me as far as like the same values and stuff like that, then yeah, I'll entertain it. But I always tell them like, yo, this is like, just so you know, <laughs> this is a rough ride. We're not, we're not having sex. Yeah. And they're like, what do you know what I mean? So it's just taking back the power, which is like, I want to make myself a high value male. That means in every aspect of my life, I need to be in control and take the, the power back in my life, right? Mm -hmm. There's no half steps. Half, you, you have a it? lot more control than I do. And that's what it boils down to is, is just self-control. So I, I want to be you. looked at and by somebody's like, yo, that motherfucker goes hard. That motherfucker mm -hmm. has some self-control. He has discipline. Those are the things I want people to say. So do you think with everything that you've been through and you've been through three rock bottoms, there's going to be more rock bottoms in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
but going into it, do you feel like you're more mentally prepared to handle those bottoms or do you think, I guess there's no way to really tell, but new challenges for every rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Do Do you feel like you're mentally preparing yourself more to be able to handle a situation to get out of that rock bottom quicker? So the more I can push my mental state past the point of it that it's ever been like, dude, the dislocated shoulder thing, like it doesn't really sound that bad, but it, Men- <laughs> it was mentally controlling me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And so I feel like the more I can do that, and it's not like I'm going to go out and fucking dislocate my shoulder just to have like some mental stim. Do it again. I'll the do mental it better this time. Yeah, just, <laughs> I'll get past this one too. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not purposely putting myself in those situations, but I think it's important when, when you're faced with shit like that, it's like, okay, what, how can I grow from this? Yeah. Because it is pushing yourself past, I mean, a, a really bad breakup. You've never been there mentally, right? Yeah. So yeah. how do I push myself past beyond this? So next time, it really isn't that bad. Right. Uh, so in a way, it is. It's it's what you're going through, what you're putting yourself through now is going to help you mm-hmm. with any rock bottoms in the future. Yeah, and I journal about it. Anytime I go through anything, I journal about it, and I, I dissect what's going on, and then I find out at the core what is it really that's going on and why did this happen where does it come from and sometimes it comes back comes all the way back from childhood Mm. do you know what i mean from sixth when i was in sixth grade i had all of the talent in the world playing football and stuff like that but i was a pussy bro like i i was but it was the it was what people said about me that made me that way yeah i let other people control who i was right so that was when I was like seven, eight, nine years old. It created some lifelong um, issues with like confidence and self-esteem and stuff like that. So like forcing yourself to go back to the very, very, very beginning of where that actually came from. So I journal about it and then I'm like, okay, so how do I push beyond this? Like, what do I need to do? And for me, it's like being consistent in the gym. Do you know what I mean? Being yeah. being at my peak at all times so I can feel good because if you feel good, you start to have better thoughts and stuff. So when I journal, I write it in a way that is structured with a plan of attack and like how I overcame it, what I learned and stuff like that. Then when I go through something similar, it's like, okay, what did I do this time to, to overcome it? Because yeah. we'll forget, right? If you don't put it on paper, we'll all forget. Sure. So I think writing stuff down is very, very important when you're going through something and actually creating some kind of plan, reverse engineering it, and just fighting a way through it. Like, So when you talk about going 100% of your potential in everything, every day of life, you, you have to get exhausted. Like, I mean, what, is, what does that day look I mean, you can only push your mental state past that point for so long before your body or your mind is like, you know what? I need time off. What does your time off or your, your, your downtime look like? Sleep. Sleep. So that's it. So when you sleep, you recover I sleep good. and you go a hundred percent the whole rest of the day. So a lot of it has to do with this. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's the, it's a whoop band. Yeah. So it it tracks your sleep, REM, REM sleep cycle, deep sleep uh, stages, light sleep stages, what your uh, respiratory per minute is how much, uh, what your sleep efficiency is. So how fast you fall asleep, how many, uh, what is it called? Uh, like how many times you were interrupted in the middle of the night and it based off how you sleep is, is 
Tells you how hard you can go work out the exactly. next day to get your full potential and stuff yeah. like that. And part of being at your full potential is not overdoing some things, mm-hmm. right? Like your full potential doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to the gym and I'm like going balls to the wall running off of an hour of sleep. Right. It's no, I just slept six hours. I spent thirty seven percent of that sleep in REM stage sleep cycle, which is your deepest sleep cycle, and yeah. that's where most of your recovery happens. So if I have anything above thirty percent of my sleep above and I'm I'm telling you, bro, I'm psycho. Like I'm a fucking psychopath. <laughs> if I if I have thirty percent or more, I know I can pretty much go as hard as I need to the next day. Yeah. So that's what keeps me going and knowing that just like the end goal is just being a high value male. I want a high value female in my life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I can't get that and attract that if I'm not putting in the work to attract that person. Absolutely. So that's yeah. my why. That's why that's what, that's what keeps me. That's what wakes me up in the morning and knowing being that high value person. I was, we were just barely talking about my daughter and how like, this is the most, most pivotal part of her life. Mm to see a male role model to understand like, cause now it's to the point, like she's going to start latching on to the idea of a boyfriend and stuff like right. that. And she's what, gonna, what a good boyfriend looks like. Exactly. Yeah. And her stepdad and me are the two people that she looks at to see who that is. Right. Like that's, what's normal to her. So that's the other, that's the other motivating thing is like anytime during the day, I, I got to have some kind of integrity because if I want her to go for the guy that I am, I got to be firing on all fucking cylinders, bro. Because right. I'm not going to have her go for the same guy that I used to be. Yeah. How old is your daughter right now? 13. 13. Yeah. Fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a lot of motivating factors, but it, I think being a high value male is like pretty much covers all aspects. Like yeah. I just got to be on my game at all times and I can't slip. Like, and when I do, I need to understand where I came from and kind of correct it. Do you know what I mean? And make sure that I'm actually doing something about it versus just letting it go. Otherwise, I'm not that person. Yeah. And I'm just full of shit, if that's the case. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I don't like being full of shit. I, I was full of shit my whole entire life. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Crazy. Yeah. So do you do you have a do you have like a, an estimated time when you want your book to be published or out? So. When I did my last podcast, which was like six months ago, seven months ago, um, I said sometime by the end of the year, which is the end of this year, but I didn't really plan on getting the job that I got where I'm potentially going to be taking over my own office outside of the state. Right, so that's right. starting a starting an office, a home exterior company in a state that I've never been and I don't know anybody at is going to take a lot of a oh, lot, yeah. a lot more dedication than I actually have now. So I'm hoping by the summertime next year. Um, but as I go through stuff in life, I'm still writing about it. Oh, absolutely! It's it's an I mean, a book like that is kind of never ending. Right. So it's one of those that you publish at the end of your life almost. But that's what I struggle with. It's like where do I? Because put it out now and then make another book, a continuing. That's what I'll probably have to do. I mean, because it's, dude, my success story is never going to end. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's the tough part. Of, maybe I'll do a podcast about it. There you go. Maybe this is the beginning continuing of something conce- Continuing success of Drew. Yeah. I'm not successful yet. <laughs> that's for damn sure, but I appreciate it's it. Very yeah. inspiring. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, your story's crazy. I mean, it's... It's pretty intense. That's, like I said before, that's why I wanted to bring you on is because you've been through so much in life, ups and downs, 
just to find the motivation to be where you're at today is, is, uh, it's very inspiring. Thanks. So I appreciate uh, it. I look forward to this book. So what I. was it called again? Discover your power. Discover your power. So the end, the end or summer of next year, we need to look for discover your power. Fuck. <laughs> We're holding you accountable. <laughs> Hold me accountable. <laughs> I, I hope you do. But, uh, uh, I think we, do you have anything else you wanted to share before we wrap it up? No, Chris? just, no, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that much about your social medias, but I hear you do a lot of social media stuff sometimes too. Mm-hmm. So people should go on there and check you out and subscribe and yeah. Yeah. What are your socials you as well? Uh, I guess what's your biggest social platform right now? Uh, TikTok actually, TikTok? which TikTok. has a lot of thirst traps and shit like that. <laughs> that's right. what it is. That's <laughs> what it is. Um, I don't even know what it is. It's, um, I like Instagram more for like stuff like this. More of the serious stuff. Yeah. Um, but TikTok, I'm trying to structure it that way. Let's see if I can find it real quick. They're strapped. But something that I wanted to just end on and then I just actually remembered is, uh, when I'm faced with a decision anytime during the day or in life, Wes Watson, I don't know if you've actually heard of him. He did 15 years in the feds. Mm. And has a YouTube channel that blew up and he's kind of doing the same thing that I am. He's like my, I wouldn't say he's my inspiration. He inspires me. Yes. But he's not really my inspiration. Does if that make sense? Yeah, yeah, sure. But he said one thing that resonated me with a video and he speaks like, yo motherfucker. Like he's <laughs> intense. Right. Um, but he said, I, when I'm faced with the decision anytime during the day or in life, it boils down to two things is this serving my purpose or is this serving my pleasure? Mm. And if this isn't, if it's not serving my, my purpose, it can get fucked. Yeah. I'll, I'll say no, but if it's serving my, my purpose, I will say yes. So like I've thought about that and that's kind of what it boils down to is like, if you're not going after the purpose of something, then it really is kind of pointless. Right. And it's right. just taking you further away. It just sidetracks you. Exactly. It delays your, your potential or what you're going for. Right. And it made, it just makes perfect sense. He's a savage. He's the ultimate savage. So my TikTok is drew.d.holmes and my Instagram is something very similar. I don't know why I haven't done this memorized. <laughs> underscore Drew D. Holmes underscore. All right. So anybody listening, go check him out. Um, his story is, it's very motivational. It's very inspiring. Um, thank you for coming out and talking to us. It. Uh, I think it's been fun. It's been good. It's helped me out. Now I want to go clean my whole house. Yeah, I got <laughs> to do some uh, changes. You're going to need a new chair too because I'm pretty much like drenched. <laughs> it's so, hot in here. It is hot, hot in here. Yeah, well, I'm talking about this stuff. I get extremely passionate about hey, it too. That's so. what it's all about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up. This was, uh, what was it? Episode 7, Chinwag. Episode 7. Episode 7. What's so. the title? Uh, I motivation. Know. I don't know. What do you want the title? This is this is your this is your podcast. What do you want the title to be? Higher higher state of being. Mm. The title of your book. We'll steal it. Becoming copyright. Got to change it now. Fuck it. Fuck yeah. it. You can name it that. Yeah. Yeah. Discover your power. Okay. Ah. Yeah. We'll think about it. High value st- I don't know. You guys can. We'll come something. up with something. Yeah. But. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. 
hopefully you'll come back and talk to us more, especially after the, these changes with your current job and potentially taking over your own office uh, and the progress on your book. Yeah, I, I really look forward to to seeing that come, you know, come to life for sure. So I appreciate it. Anything else you got? Okay. All right. Let's Thanks, go. Drew. Yeah. Thanks, it's been Steve. a pleasure.